Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, Tanya Lee talks about living with ambition and ease, shares lessons learned from her time as a critical care nurse, and talks about taking inventory of what matters in your life. Tanya, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here with you. Yeah. So I came across you uh, by way of our mutual friend, Erica Learmark. And uh, Erica has been a constant referral source for amazing guests and a dear friend, and I trust her judgment a lot. So when she recommended you as a guest for the show, I figured it was kind of a no-brainer. So on that note, can you tell us uh, a bit about yourself, uh, your story, your journey, your background, and how that has led you to everything that you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, my story is quite a complex one, but I always love to start with my first trip to Paris. Uh, it was over a decade ago, Shrini, and I arrived like a very typical American. I was overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight. And up until that point, I had been living a life of speed, always chasing bigger, better, and more. And the result for me was that I was just really tired, I was exhausted, and I felt like life was just out of control. And I'll never forget that week. Uh, my pace slowed down to what the French call a saunter. And I remember spending like two hours over beautiful meals. And I wasn't checking email. And it was in that moment that I realized that I could actually press the reset button on my life. And I made a conscious decision to slow down. And my last day there, I was walking through the Luxembourg Gardens. And it's actually when I had that aha moment. And it's really interesting looking back, it evoked equal parts sadness and at the same time possibility. You know, my final moments in Paris, I just took it all in. And I remember as I was walking through the gardens, I saw lovers kissing. And I remembered all of the times that I was too busy getting out of the door to go to work to actually slow down for a kiss. I also remember seeing elderly men playing bocce ball and I suddenly remembered all the times I was too busy to sit down with my grandmother and really listen to her beautiful stories about life. And so I started thinking about all of the things I'd been missing on. I remember seeing moms playing with their kids and all of the times that I was too busy to read my daughter a book or too busy to take her to the park. And so even though I was feeling really sad about the way I had been living life up until that point, I turned it into a question, and that question was, how can I live with both ambition and ease? And that's where the concept of leisurely hustling started. 
which was about not racing through life to some finish line, but to really just show up and engage in my life, to be focused on what was most important and to work with a defined purpose and to savor my life, the one that I have right now. And it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made, the decision to slow down. Hmm. So let me ask you this. Uh, when you look back over the course of your life uh, and you look at sort of what were the inflection points and the moments of significance that led you to taking that trip to Paris, what would you say those have been? Yeah, well, great question. You know, I worked as a critical care nurse for over a decade and I just remember all of the conversations that I had with people um, on their deathbed. And it was never, you know, I wish I would have worked more or I wish I would have gotten that promotion. It was all about, I wish I would have enjoyed my children more. I wish I would have taken more risk. I wish I would have really uh, taken the dance classes and found out what I was really passionate about. So all of those conversations really made me start to think about how I was living my life. But you know, when you're in your life, it's really hard to step outside of it long enough to think about how you want to live. Mm -hmm. And so it was that trip to Paris that actually gave me a chance to step outside of my life and really give it some thought about what's really important to me. And if I continue to live like this, what will my 90-year-old self think? And to be honest, I don't think she would have been very happy with the way I was living my life. Hmm. Let me ask you this. How do we step outside of our own lives without necessarily having to travel to Paris? Mm, yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's different for everyone, but if you are currently living a life and you feel like you're just very disconnected from yourself and you feel like something is missing, you know, we, we focus on our to-do list, but one of the things that I did is I started focusing on a stop doing list. And I really took an inventory of my life and where I was spending a lot of my time. And I looked at it very strategically and asked, is this necessary? Is this adding to the quality of my life? So I think for everyone that's listening, if you'll really do the same and take that inventory and look at what you can stop doing, you can begin to have more space in your life to figure out what it is that you want and how you want to live your life. Hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was just writing a post this morning about uh, deliberate media consu consumption and design of our virtual environments. And I, I was thinking, I said, you know, when we go to Facebook every day, every day, you don't ask, why am I here? But when you walk into a room in your house, there's always a purpose to it. You always know you're in the kitchen to get food. You're in the bedroom to sleep. And yet in our virtual environment, we never stop to ask, why am I here? And what am I actually doing here? Yeah. And is it adding to the quality of my life? One yeah. of the best decisions that I've made actually really recently is I have deleted Facebook from my phone. Mm, I've and done that. It was, yeah, it was really interesting. I don't know if you can relate, but like the first week, I found myself wanting to put it back on just for small amounts of time. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't allow myself. And I realized like all of the time that I was spent just mindlessly consuming social media, that was time that I could be spending with friends and with family or reading a beautiful book or really focusing on what matters. And so now, you know, a month later, it feels like freedom. It feels like so much freedom, but I will admit I had withdrawals the first week. That's funny. <laughs> I, 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 I will use the browser, but I did, I deleted the app 
uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like to, to, to eliminate mindless check-ins. But, you know, one of the, the questions I have for you is about the time spent as a critical care nurse, because, you know, you mentioned a lot of things that we kind of you know, read about. They're almost cliche at this point, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To hear, you know, I wish I would have done this more. I wish I would have done that more. I, I wish I had taken more risks. You know, it, almost the kinds of cliches that make their way into self-help books that are the byproduct of people who are dying. But you've had a front row seat to this that yeah. most of us will never get. And I'm just really interested in what kinds of things you were able to get from a front row seat that we would never be able to get from hearing you talk about it or reading you know, articles like the one uh, that, that nurse wrote about the regrets of the dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is cliche. And at the same time, there's so much truth to it. And for me, being with people and holding their hands as they were taking their final breaths and the conversations that we had weeks before they passed, um, it really just woke me up to asking the question, what is the meaning of life? You know, why are we here? Are we here to spend hours in the office? Are we here to accumulate more stuff? Or are we here to connect? Are we here to add value to the world in a way that you know, serves others and allows us to live beautifully and mindfully? And I will never forget, Srini, I had a conversation with a gentleman weeks before he died. And he said to me, he was like, Tanya, go all in on your life. And I remember walking away from that, not really understanding what he meant, but asking the question, what would it look like if I went all in? And the first thing that came to mind was work more, work more. And I just felt in my body, that's not what he's talking about. And later for me, what that meant is really appreciating your life so much this moment, really focusing on all that's good and right And really living your life as a masterpiece. And that looks so different for everyone. But if you don't slow down long enough to ask what it looks like for you, chances are you're living the the blueprint of someone else's life. And so it was conversations like that that really, there were no answers in it. It just really caused me to stop and ask the really important questions. Hmm. Do you think that we can develop uh, that kind of a perspective without having the front row seat to it that you have and how? Yeah, absolutely. It all starts with a decision. And I think if you are living a life right now and you feel like it's out of control and you feel like you're very disconnected from yourself, that is a big, big red light that you need to stop. You really need to stop and take an inventory of your life and what's really important to you. You know, many people are walking around not even understanding what they value. Mm-hmm. And they're just, again, constantly consuming, constantly uh, focused on things that aren't adding to the quality of their life. So if your life feels out of control, in my opinion, that means it's time to stop and really define what do you value and how can you begin to build your life around those values and it may mean, you know, moving to a new state or to a new country or selling your house. It may mean changing your job. And chances are what it's going to require of you is going to be really scary. And at the same time, again, this is very cliche, but I've experienced it more than once. You know, what you truly want is going to require that you bravely walk through the fear. Hmm. So I want to talk about the fear briefly in a second, but what I want to talk about first before we do that is this idea of taking inventory of your life. And 
I would really love for you to tell us uh, in more depth about how you took inventory of yours and how that eventually led to this entire idea of leisure hustling and combining ambition with ease. Yeah. So I, for one week, I kept a journal of every activity that I engaged in. Everything from what time I woke up, what I ate, you know, what the first thing I did every day to who I uh, called. I mean, like everything. I took a play-by-play inventory of my life for one solid week. And then once I had that data, I sat down and looked at everything on that list and I asked myself this question, is this adding to the value of your life? What is the benefit of what you're doing? And many of the things on this list were not adding value to my life. If anything, they were adding more stress and more overwhelm. And so I'm not uh, a black and white kind of person. I didn't just stop doing all of those things, but I slowly began to let go of the things that weren't adding value. And what I found was so much more space to live my life. Things like social media, things like, uh, you know, the people, some of the people I was hanging out with, you know, everything that you engage in is impacting your life on a deep level either for the better or for the worse. And it's up to us as individuals to define what those things are and then strategically begin to either let them go or to keep them. What surprises did you come across when you did this process? Um, you know, some you know, unconsciously we engage in so many things and I was, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but like how much TV I was consuming. Uh-huh. It's not surprising, but when I looked at it on paper, I was like, wow, all of the things that I could be engaging in. Here's the other surprising one. The amount of time and energy that I spent on self-help. That was a huge one. And I was thinking, my God, I could have learned like four languages and you know, probably learned to be a master at painting. Like there were so many things that I realized in that moment that I could have been channeling that energy that I was instead channeling into fixing myself. Um, and it turns out I was never broken. So that was a really big surprise for me. Let's talk about that in more depth, because I think that we live in a culture that is so self-improvement driven and this story of fixing what's broken, I think is just like pervasive in our internal cultural narrative. And I'm really curious uh, how you shifted out of that and what advice you'd have for people who want to. Well, the first thing that I did is I cleaned my bookshelf. I got rid of almost every self-help book except for three. And that was, the three were Awareness by Anthony DeMello, mm-hmm. Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, and then a book by Martha Beck called Steering by Starlight. So those were the only three that I kept. And my bookshelf was just void. <laughs> I had like four books on my shelf. But then I started to ask the question, if I didn't think I was broken, what would I be reading? What would I be engaging my mind in? And that question led me on this whole pursuit of uh, intellectualism, things that I had never allowed myself to explore and to discover. And now I can say that I have a beautiful bookshelf. So that was actually my very first step, um, was just clearing my bookshelf. And the relief that I had from that, I cannot even describe. Wow. 
So I'll share a, a story uh, about my bookshelf that I've not actually shared publicly on the show before, or even ri- I've written about it, but not published this anywhere. Uh, I, I recently read this book, uh, which I may have mentioned on, on our newsletter called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I don't know if you've read it. I've heard about it, but I have not it's read it. It's really, really good. It's by a Japanese woman named Marie Kondo. And she had a filter for everything where she said, basically, ask yourself with anything you own, does this spark joy? And if the answer is no, get rid of it. Mm. And so I looked at the bookshelf and I was like, I hate all these books about social media marketing. None of them have brought any joy to my life. And I got rid of all of them. I just put them all away in a box. I haven't given them away yet, which I plan to do. And what was left were books by Penguin Portfolio, who also happens to now be my publisher. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it was really, really surreal. So what did that feel like for you? Well, you know, it's interesting because I was like, this, these are a bunch of books that I never read. I made space for things that I wanted in my life. And that's maybe the bigger lesson was, okay, getting rid of all these things that are kind of just here, not because I put them here, but because they've showed up, Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not deliberate uh, about them. They're taking up space. And then when you open up that space, it kind of just clears your mind at a whole other level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my filter is, does this add beauty to my life or Mm -hmm. does this make my life easier? Mm. And so those two questions, I'm easily able to determine, do I want to buy this thing or not? So let me ask you this. Talk to me about how taking inventory of your life unveiled, you know, what it is that you wanted to do and, and who it is that you wanted to be and how that has led you down this path that you've gone down. Well, when I looked at it, I quickly, I quickly realized who I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be that girl walking through the world thinking she was broken. I did not want to be that girl that was always so busy in her life that she didn't have time for what really, really matters. And so the more I got clear on who I didn't want to be, I then had uh, a starting point to discover more of who I did choose to be. And for me, uh, knowing who you want to be is one of the most important things for a person to understand in life. And so that inventory really highlighted more of what I didn't want. And from that place, I was able to like turn the camera around and say, okay, this is what I don't want for my life. Okay, then what do you want? Who do you want to be? And that became my beacon for what I allow into my world, for what I bring into my environment. And the inventory was where it started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Hmm. So let's just, let, let's talk a little bit about fear. Uh, I'm really, really curious to hear what kind of perspectives you've got on fear from having a front row seat to people who are at the end of their lives and how that's manifested in your life. Hmm. Well, for me, like being with people on their deathbed, I I've realized that, you know, we can choose to live our life in fear or we can choose to live it as, uh, an adventure where we really are the heroes and the heroine of our journey. And I believe that's what the gentleman meant when he said, go all in. And I believe the most successful people in the world are those that are able to experience every emotion that life has to offer. You know, I talk about joie de vivre a lot. And a lot of people think that that just simply means living with joy 24 seven. But as a French woman told me one time, she was like, joie de vivre is not about the American version of happiness. It's really about you being the witness to yourself and all that life has to offer. And so for me, really, you know, looking and being with these people on their deathbed and asking the question of how do I want to live my life, I had this realization that it was going to require that I am able to experience fear, sadness, frustration, joy, all of it. And the more I've learned to experience my emotional state versus running from it, I can tell you that the richer that my life has become. Hmm. So that raises a question for me. How do we learn to experience and embrace these various emotional states or this wide variety of them as opposed to running from the ones we don't want? Well, as a friend of mine who was a psychiatrist at Harvard said, sit with it. Yeah. 
And when he said that, I was like, really, Sean, that's the only advice you have for me? Because I was going through a very difficult time and I wanted him to tell me how to get out of it. And his advice was not to get out of it, but to really sit with it. Because before, like many people, like I would eat to avoid feeling emotion. I would shop to avoid feeling any emotion. And the result of that was not joie de vivre, but I was numbed out to my life. And when I really learned to just sit with it and just feel it in my body and to name it and to have a conversation with it and realize, you know, I didn't die. If anything, I had a much more intimate relationship with myself. I really understood what he meant by sit with it. Everything you want requires that you sit with your emotions. Wow. That's interesting because, you know, I think about difficult emotions like grief and pain and all those things that we try to avoid. And, you know, I can't help but think of that quote. I don't even know who said it, but the only way out of it is through. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to go around it. <laughs> I think we all do. I think that's our first instinct. <laughs> yeah. I was running from it and I, I really deluded myself because I was the typical person who could put on a happy face. But up under that facade was this underlying anxiety because I was never allowing myself to process emotion. And it's like for me, like if you try to hold a beach ball underwater, like eventually it's going to come up. And the more and more you push it, the harder and faster it's going to come up. So when I finally started sitting with my emotions, it wasn't pretty. It was quite painful. Um, But I didn't allow myself to run from it. And now it's just like I'm comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Do I like it? No, (laughs) but I have learned to be comfortable with it and just to realize this is part of life. If you want to experience all of life, you have to be willing to experience all of your emotions. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was having a conversation with my business partner, Brian, about some things that he knew would stress me out. And he makes, he makes sure of timing these conversations, uh, very perfectly. And yesterday he was like, I didn't want to have this conversation with you today over the phone. I wanted to have it in person because I know how uncomfortable some of this stuff makes you. And I was, you know, I, I told him, I said, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. And it was funny because I was thinking back to the interview that I did with Tim Ferriss, where we had talked about sort of managing your own psychology. And he said that he's got friends who have amassed fortunes beyond measure in Silicon Valley. And the one thing that he has noticed in all of them is their ability to experience their emotions and not let it get to them. You know, uh, I, I love the example that he gave of Matt Mullenweg, who is the founder of WordPress and Automatic. And he said, yeah, one of your data centers is down. And uh, he said, yeah, no point getting rattled up about it. Our team is working on it. And it's like, wait a minute, that's a billion dollar problem. And you're saying nothing to get rattled about, which that made me really think about all the things that we get really stressed out about and how small they are in comparison. Yeah. You know, I always say the opposite of ease is not hard work. It's struggle. Mm. And you know, for me, I struggled my whole life with my emotions and the beliefs. But, you know, one of the metaphors that I use that's really helped me is, you know, if you think of, you know, beliefs um, as trains passing by and you can watch the train pass by or you can jump on the train and ride it. And so when I'm experiencing negative emotion or negative beliefs, which lead to negative emotion, I just watch it pass and I realize, you know what, this is just part of humanity. I don't know of any person that doesn't experience negative emotion or negative beliefs, but yet we walk around thinking that it's wrong to do so Mm -hmm. when in fact it's just part of life. Mm -hmm. And the more you can relax into that, the better life gets. Let me ask you this. 
of all the cultures that you are exposed to, why is it you think the French had such an influence uh, on the way you live your life and the way you see the world? Well, first of all, I wasn't exposed to many cultures. I grew up in a trailer park (laughs) and we never really traveled beyond Tennessee. Mm. So France was actually the first culture that I was exposed to. And I don't think it's just France. I think the European culture in general have a very different, uh, they have a very different aspect on living. You know, there's the whole philosophy of uh, working to live versus living to work. And so they were the first ones that exposed me to it. And because of that, I have so much to thank them for, you know, really show me what it looks like and feels like to slow down and to savor your life and to leisurely hustle. Mm. So you mentioned that you grew up in a trailer park and I have asked this question to numerous people in various forms. And it's been really interesting to hear the different answers about it. Uh, I'm interested, you know, from where you came from to where you're at now, how has your perspective on money and wealth changed as a byproduct? Oh, good question. I had to work a lot on my money story, a lot. Uh, but, you know, again, we hear this a lot in self-help, but money is energy. And, you know, instead of me focusing on how much money I want to make, I focus on how I want to live. And then I look at, okay, what's it going to take to live this way? And here's the other interesting thing. My life living in a trailer in the deep south was very rich. You know, we had a very close family and still do. Uh, I, you know, ate food out of the garden. And at the time, I was so embarrassed. You know, all of my friends would go to the grocery store and buy their vegetables. And I was having to pick my vegetables and shell the butter beans. And now I look back on it and I'm like, wow, what a gift I was given that I didn't even appreciate. Um, and so, you know, you probably can relate to the Srini, you know, traveling to third world countries, there's a richness there that they have that, you know, money can't even buy. And so for me, it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. It's about the life we want to live and then being creative and how we can create that for ourselves. And it doesn't matter what your income is. There's always a way to live richer and a better quality of life. Now, does money make it easier? Absolutely. But anyone that's listening that may be struggling with money, really think about what are the creative ways that you can have a higher quality of life with the way things are right now. And by me appreciating my life, I will tell you that my abundance mindset has just grown tremendously, tremendously. Let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned that you had to do a lot of work on your money story, and I don't imagine that's an uncommon problem. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that that uh, is something that a lot of us face. It's something that I know I've wrestled with myself. And I'm really interested in how you start to shift the money story um, so <laughs> that little, it becomes better. A little bit at the time. Yeah. For me, I remember walking, because I you know, shopped at Kmart when I was little. And I remember the first time I bought a pair of shoes that was $100. And I literally was having a panic attack as I was paying for them. But that that energy and that one act shifted me just a little bit. And then I realized, wow, this isn't that big of a deal. And from there, I upped it a little bit more to the point now I have a pair of Louboutins that you know, I paid $800 for. And, you know, and I realized it's just, it's just money. It's just money. 
And when you look at a dollar bill or a euro or whatever you're looking at, what do you project onto it? And used to, my old story was, you know, you have to work hard to get it. It's scarce, you know. And then I had the whole biblical story of, you know, the rich or the, the meek will inherit the earth and the rich are doomed forever. And I realized all of the negative beliefs that I had been projecting onto money. And I looked at it, I'm like, what do I want to believe about money? Hmm. And I want to believe that it can be used for good, that it's abundant, and uh, that we're all capable of generating more. There's no scarcity. But it didn't happen overnight, and I'm still working on it. And I think I probably always will be, because sometimes I still hear my mother's voice in my head. But a little at a time, that's how I've done it. Hmm. So... You mentioned uh, biblical beliefs, and I'm not sure why this keeps coming up. Maybe it's my own sort of quest for spirituality, but it seems for some reason lately I have had a lot of people here who seem to have close ties to you know uh, a religious upbringing or some sort of religious or spiritual component to the work that they do. And I'm just really interested in hearing about how having that as part of your upbringing has influenced and shaped the way you live your life and, and, you know, what matters to you and, uh, you know, what you choose to value. Hmm. Well, I grew up in the Pentecostal holiness religion, which a lot of people probably don't know about, but very strict can wear, you know, jeans can wear dress or can wear pants, no makeup. And so very much like Catholicism, it was a very uh, guilt inducing religion And I remember as a young girl, like really questioning it. Like, you tell me that God is love, and then you tell me that He's going to punish us if we don't behave properly. And so I was very much spiritually confused for many, many years. And what I've come to realize in my own spiritual journey is that God is always hanging out in love. And so one of the questions that I always ask myself is, am I doing this out of fear or out of love? And the more I take action and make decisions that are based in love, the better and the richer my life has become. And the path to get to where I am today has taken a lot of work, a lot of therapy, (laughs) and really, um, really requiring that I go deep within and ask myself, what is my truth? And understanding that everybody's path to this place of spiritual enlightenment, whatever that is, is going to be different. But at the end of the day, God is love. Mm. And that is my spiritual belief. Wow. Do you think that uh, going down this sort of a spiritual path is a necessary component to achieve at the uh, limits of our potential? Well, you can frame it as a spiritual path. You can frame it as an emotional path. Um, You know, the semantics I don't think really matter, but I think it does require that we go within and look at our own emotional landscape and uh, really question the things that we've been taught. You know, do you have to be spiritual to live a beautiful life? I don't think so. But for me, it definitely has been my path but we're all individuals and that path is going to be different for everyone. Let me ask you this. Why do you think that we don't explore our emotional landscape as a part of growing up uh, when this is clearly something that's very critical to how uh, life turns out? And why do you think people are afraid to question 
the things they've been taught. Because mm. it's scary to question. It's much easier uh, in the short term to just stay in the status quo and to live the life that someone else has told you to live. But in the long term, as I discovered working with people um, as a critical care nurse, in the long term, it really, it really is a detriment to our lives. So one of the questions that I've always asked is like, why aren't we teaching this to our kids in school? You know, we teach them math, we teach them science, we teach them, you know, about works of art, but we never teach them how to think in terms of how to use their mind to create what they want. And I believe that the next evolution of our education system, hopefully, hopefully will include that as part of the, of the curriculum, really helping children understand the power that they have with their minds. Yeah, no, I, I, you're, you're speaking my language. I mean, obviously, I, I've spent a lot of time talking about my thoughts on education here, which I, I think at the moment is extremely overpriced and doesn't lead to its intended outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've got a daughter who I'm looking at college and I'm like, what is the purpose of college? And, you know, is it worth the investment? <laughs> and so I'm sitting in that place right now of trying to decide, you know, what, where should she be and what should she do in terms of, of her college career? So I'm asking the same questions and I don't have the answer yet. <laughs> so if you have any words of advice, Srini, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> don't go to college. Um, <laughs> No, you know, what's been really interesting to me about this entire conversation is that it's opened up a lot of questions and not necessarily given us a lot of answers, but I think that's what has made it so fascinating. Yeah. And we're always seeking answers, but I think the answers are found in the question. It's found by living. And, you know, I think everyone's just doing the best they can. Yeah. I don't know that there's one answer to anything. But I do believe the more that you understand the power of your mind, you'll be able to an answer your questions. Wow. There are no experts. Well, this has been really cool. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to wrap with my final question. Okay. Uh, which you've probably heard me ask since you've heard our interviews. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Mm, love this question. So I've been really intrigued with the idea of becoming iconic. And I've been studying what makes a person iconic. And what I've discovered in my own life is a person who's brave enough to define who they want to be and unapologetically go out into the world showing up as that person. And again, it requires that the person has the courage to walk through fear, to challenge the status quo, and to show up in life as the best version of themselves as possible. Hmm. Well, Tanya, this has been great. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share some of your story and your journey uh, and your insights with our listeners to The Unmistakable Creative. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.